Hey. Downloads of this show are available on Potomatic.com and the Potomatic mobile app. Hey, this is Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hey, everybody. How you doing? <clears throat> uh, so anyway, thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. This is so great that we get to hang out together. I love you guys. It's Thursday at 2, and we're all here. So I've got an amazing guest for you today, uh, Marina Press Granger, who's an art advi- artist, not art advisor, artist advisor, advisor to artists. This is so valuable. And you know what? You're getting really, really valuable advice here. So I think you should donate money to the station in honor of that, right? Because you're getting this, you would be paying for this advice, big money anywhere else. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. And give us, you know, even if you gave us like $2, we would be really happy. Just like even like a say hello and we support you. That makes us feel good. Okay, thanks. Enough about that. Um, I just want to tell you quickly that I'm I'm on week two on my Invisaligners. Marina, when I asked her if she could notice, she said no. She said no. I kind of, I'm kind of more used to them, but I'm still feeling like I might sound a little lispy. But like I said last week, I'm not taking them off. I only get two hours a day not to take them off. And those two hours are for eating and drinking. So screw screw all you. I love you guys, but I'm not doing it. Okay. So suffer, suffer with my raspy voice. Um, Anyway, I want to get right to Marina because she has so much valuable advice to share with us. And I want to make sure that you get all of it, okay? So um, she has about 15 years of uh, experience in both uh, art galleries and museums. And I, you know what I did? I got so nervous. I had her bio right here that I was going to look at it while I was talking. Okay, so now it's right here. Uh, she's worked at, and like a lot of her, her catalogs, are that she's written are in libraries like the Smithsonian Art Institute of Chicago. She's she has like a ton of experience. And here's what I really want you guys to know. Okay, so uh, I've been doing art like you know whatever a long long time. Okay, and I have actually engaged people to help me that are people that help creative people or help artists and. Uh, Marina is nothing like them. Marina's the real deal. Like she can really, really, I mean, she can really help, which is like crazy. But here's the other thing about it. That's really crazy. She's really like reasonable. Like I am doing you, you're welcome. You're, you're just very, very welcome. Okay. I'm doing you this huge favor and don't forget it. All right. So here's the thing. If you just want a consultation, you can get it for free. Like just a couple of minutes on the phone, you can get that for free. Now, if you have a specific project uh, and you need to have 30 minutes, $50, that's less than any therapist. I mean, she should get a degree and do this for real. And she could be make. she's not, I don't know how she does it. And then if you want like a uh, in-person visit for an hour, that's a hundred bucks. That's a hundred bucks. That's more, that's less than you bought on, spent on your fucking painting supplies, honey. So it's a real, it's a real bargain. And and you know what? I'm going to mention all the contact information 
right now so that we can get right to it. Um, so anyway, it her her Instagram is at the underscore artist underscore advisory. And her email is Marina at the artist advisory.com. And the phone, her phone number is three, four, seven, not her phone number. We're not going to read that on the air. You know, this is fucking, t- this, uh, forget it. You do your own research, go to the website, go to the Instagram. It's artadvisory.com. Okay. And then figure it out. Okay. So here's the thing. Normally, uh, you know, I sit down with my guests and we have like a chat before they, when they come in, before they get, we get on the air. And I, we, I usually try and develop like a little bit of a storyline and stuff. But I realized when Marina came in that she is so, um, she's already really well thought out and has at the tip of her fingertips organized all the information that she feels you need to share. She needs to share with you. So I'm going to just turn this over to her for, for, for now and keep my mouth shut. I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be keeping an eye on her. If I disagree, you'll hear from me. But I am, I am just going to turn this over to her. This is the first time in uh, my 184th episode, I think it is, that I've ever done this. But um, Marina, Marina Granger, I bring you... Marina Granger, you are on. Please take over. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Elise. I'm so excited to be on the show, and I'm, I just can't get over it. Thank you. Um, I wanted to start off by telling you a little bit about my background. You know, why am I doing this? I'm not doing this for the money. It would be nice to have money and sustain myself and eventually grow the business. I have a whole plan for that. But I'm really doing this because I spent so much time working in the art world where artists were being treated as second-class citizens. I mean, there are so many art dealers, curators, um, anyone who's working in the art world is catering to the collector. Even those critics that go to see your show, sure, they're promoting your show, but why are they writing that for the art collector to read? So I'm here. I wanted to to revolutionize the art world in my own way because I saw that it's changing and I want to be a part of that. And how is the art world changing? I mean, now more than ever, artists don't need as much guide or they don't have as much guidance from art galleries. They might be able to sell work all on their own. And I'm here to help you with all of that. So I help artists from everything that has to do on the practical side of things, like how to organize your studio and send out an invoice, talk to uh, a collector, find a collector to the conceptual side. So if you're working on a project, I help you conceptualize that. And I also help you figure out what it's your great intention as an artist. Like what is the big intention? Because once you ask yourself that and you find the answer, you're going to be able to find answers to all of your questions so much easier. And you're just going to get into this amazing workflow uh, that's going to be on point. So that's that. But also um, one thing that I noticed and I really wanted to talk about on this show because, you know, it's all about psychology and something that, you know, we're raised with when we're kids we are raised with this idea that there's such a thing as a starving artist. Everyone who grows up, they and want they when they're growing up, they want to be an artist. 
their parents come to them and they're like, oh, but you know, you could do art as a hobby. Why don't you become a doctor or a lawyer? Well, you know, because you might be a starving artist. And that is such a limiting belief that we are ingrained with, that we teach ourselves. And it's something that you have to get over. And one way to get over is to think about, um, it, one way to get over it is to think about all the artists who are selling their work. Go to all the art galleries that, you know, wherever you live. If you're in New York, if you go to Chelsea or the Lower East Side, you'll see there are galleries sustaining themselves. There are artists selling their work. Uh, the art world is a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's something that you just have to keep in mind so that you're able to forget this idea of the starving artist and keep doing what you're doing. That's that's great. That is so... Um, uh, well, what's really interesting? Okay, so this is what I want to. This is what I want to hear from you. So, one of the things that I agree with, but I can't possibly define, is the art world is changing, and um, I'm assuming that we're talking about the effect that the internet and social media, and the fact that artists aren't necessarily located, all the all the things that come out of that. So, can you can you yeah, address that? Absolutely, it's, it's a big sentence to unravel. You know. The landscape of the art world is changing. And how is it changing? So, you know, I started working um, for real in galleries in, right before the big um, collapse in 2008. Like in the in 2005, 2006, I started working in galleries for real. And I, uh, the, the whole way that the dealer would interact with the artist was super different back then. Dealers gave time to their artists, but... As, as time went on, dealers didn't have enough time for their artists because they were worried about selling. And so how do you sell in a gallery? You get more and more and more artists because you want to sell something oh, every day. Yeah. So if you have like 100 artists, mm. you're bound to sell something every day. Mm. But if you have 100 artists and one or two directors, even if you have five directors, you're not, never going to be able to give these artists the same attention they need. And so the economy is changing that way. And one crucial thing that's happening is artists are selling their work through the internet more and more. Mm -hmm. They're selling their work on Instagram. They're selling their work on Facebook, uh, maybe even online auctions. There's even uh, organizations or websites like Artsy where you can go online and shop for art, although uh, you know, that's, you have to have a gallery to be able to sell your right. work on artsy. But one thing that I always make sure when I meet with an artist, the first thing I, I figure out is what their intention is. And sometimes this takes an entire hour. But um, once we figure that out, we figure out how to brand them on the, online. And, you know, you can get a gallery and you can have a gallery, but they can't brand you the way that you can brand yourself. So, you know, galleries are also not for everybody. There, There's artists who, again, they sell work on their own, but then there's artists who need galleries, who want to be part of a community, and that's totally fine. The thing is, a gallery won't know what to do with you if you come to them raw, if you don't have a brand, if you don't have your intention set. And they're like, why is this artist making this work? Like, I don't know how to sell it. Mm 
Um, because just like everybody else these days, a lot of people who work in galleries, they, they literally have three seconds to look at your work and get it. So, and look at your brand and get it. So that's another thing that I do. Um, between working in art galleries and starting this business, I fell into doing costume design for TV. <laughs> I mean, it's so should, random. Wait, can I just say this? Um, I'm going to post a picture, but every time I've seen <laughs> this, her, 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 I don't know where she gets her clothes or whatever, but like, yeah, yeah, you, you, you'll get it. You'll get it. Okay, go ahead. So, I point that out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I also love your t-shirt today. Oh, you do. It's thank the you. cutest thing, everybody. Oh. It's these little puppies and they're canoodling and it says best friends. Yeah, it's positive. I tried oh, to dress so positively good. today. Um, so anyway, moving on. Uh, when I meet with artists, I also make sure that they're branding themselves the right way. After we figure out what it is that you know their artwork is really about, I look at everything. I don't meet with them in their studios. I actually meet with them in one of the Soho houses around um, New York, or sometimes I meet with artists in um, uh, via video chat, FaceTime, or Skype. Is, is that because you don't want to be influenced by their studio? by their work? Yeah. So uh, I, it's like know, a shrink. It's yes, it is I really have like to. A shrink. I have to remove them from that safe space Ah. and I have to remove them from being distracted. So we meet in a neutral place and they tell me what their work is about. And then I look at every online presence I can find of theirs. I look at their Instagram number one. I look at their website if they have one and I look at their Twitter, Facebook, everything. Um, If, and, and, I have yet to find an artist who is in line with their intentions as they are with their branding. Hmm. And so what I do is when we meet after, you know, I look at this and of course there's not enough time for me to go over everything and tell you exactly how to change everything. But after our meetings, I send you a giant email with what to change and how to change it. But the number one thing I can tell you right now, if you're an artist, you need to have a website and a business card. That's number one, because when you're going to meet people um, and you tell them you're an artist, you just tell them your name, whatever it is. Oh, my name's Leonardo da Vinci. How do you spell that? <laughs> he didn't you know? have a business card. You know, that's that's debatable. We don't know. We weren't there. Uh, but, you, you know. Yeah. Did they have printing presses? I'm not even sure. But I believe ahead. by then they had a printing press. Maybe, yeah. Um, he definitely, They definitely didn't have opening, so they do now. <laughs> You probably drank wine. I'll give you that. All yeah, right. Probably. Um, but anyway, you know, you need to have your business card so people remember you and you need to have your website because every single time it, and, and you need to have your Instagram, Facebook, whatever. But every time you post on your Instagram, on your Facebook, on any social media, you want to redirect people to your website because in the future, we don't know what's going to happen to these social uh, media ah, websites, right? We don't know. What if we lose all our contacts on Instagram? We had like 10,000 followers ah, and zero emails. Interesting. So you want to reroute everybody to your website, get everybody's email so they're on your email list. So when the internet apocalypse happens, if it does, you have all your contacts. You are mm-hmm. in charge. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. that's one major thing I wanted to tell you today. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, again, I went on a tangent about costume design. So I, I, I started doing costume design. I've done over 24 commercials in the past year. Wow. On top of this job? On top of this job. This job, um, I had a eureka moment in August 2018 and went head first and it what, went head first with what, this. What was your, I wanted to ask you that, like there's, you're obviously having there's a frustration or in yourself or a need in the art world that you're addressing and can you can you define that or oh yes was there an I mean I you know again I was so upset with how collectors were in the center of the art world sure they have all the money but artists are the ones who are creating the content for the art world they're making the art world happen and People are just like, oh, it's another artist. Like, I don't want to talk to them. And it's like, no, we need to talk to our artists. We need to help them grow as people mm-hmm. and grow as artists. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are, you know, the backbone of the art world. And people don't get that. And I was so upset. I have a question about that. So I see the art world from my perspective as the faceless and the 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 face face container, the established artist in the faceless, let's put it that way. So I feel like how is that, is it, does that make sense to you? And so this whole world of faceless artists are just in a slush pile. That's what it looks like to me. What's your take on that? So, I mean, and how do you get out of that (laughs) fucking slush pile? Well, okay. It's all relative because if you think about it, you know, we, I, can I ask you, you know, like name five celebrities and you know who the celebrities are. Let's say they're all movie stars. Right. And that's just five people. Right. But in the movie business, there's hundreds of thousands of actors who are making a living off acting. Right. We just don't see them. They're kind of faceless. They're, you know, just like um, there's, you know, for example, Dr. Oz is like a big, cool doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to watch his show and everybody saw him in well, Oprah. Um, well, yeah, well, depending on your taste. Depending on your taste. I mean, I, I, <laughs> no, I, like, I get it. I get it. He's famous. He he's, is. You know, but he there's is. so I'd many. I'd like to have his lifestyle. Maybe. No, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I'm interrupting. In you need a show like Dr. Oz, like on I TV, do. too. I do. I, yeah. I want to see a TV yeah, show. Yeah. Can you help me do that? <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to call some people and see what we can do. Okay. okay. Um, so, clearly, I like to spread myself quite thin, but... Um, you know, just like Dr. Oz is one person that we know, he's like the, you know, kind of arguably the Damien Hurst of the right. medical world. Right. And, you know, sure, we have like these megastar artists, but we also have these mega uh, successful artists who are, quote unquote, baseless because they're, you know, they're selling work to a lot of people, but they're not... In, no one knows who they are. Nobody really knows who they are. But the the few people that are buying their work or the many people that are buying their work know who they are. So it's it's all relative. Mm-hmm. Do they think they're successful, those artists? I don't know if I've met one artist who thinks they're successful. That's so interesting. What the, This is leading us into the next question I was going to ask you about. Um, how important the cycle, this is of course not top of my list, folks, uh, since I, I, I lead the call on being damaged on this, but how important is psychological health to an artist? 
And I was just going to point out, like, um, my biggest emotional problem, I think, or there's so many, but I think one of them is that it's really hard for me to feel like I'm successful, my work is good, or things are going well, unless I get outside reinforcement. And that is humiliating for me to even admit and really horrible. And, uh, you know, I think that's really common, the big ego and low self-esteem. So how is that really? So, but don't, we, I don't, we don't need to focus on that. Just give me an overall, uh, and overall, that you, you know, it's so easy, no matter if you're an artist, but especially if you're an artist, but no matter what field you're in, you're constantly thinking, oh my God, that other person is doing better than me. There's this comparison that's always happening. And it's something that you cannot afford to do. And I think that's why a lot of artists feel like they're not successful. They're like, you know, Damien Hirst thinks about another artist who's like more successful than him. Um, or, and you can't compare yourself because while you're busy wallowing in the comparison, that other person could be ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And they could they could gain on you, and you know it's the the tortoise and the hare. Uh-huh. Like you could be the hare, but then it, you're kind of comparing yourself to the tortoise, and you're like, wait a minute. Really so that better. that thing that I just mentioned is based on com- being competitive, comparing myself, yeah. and, and and not looking know, at my own achievements. Yes, but also for artists. It's a whole different ballpark because usually it's very visual what you're making and you're making it for other people to enjoy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, as far as like productivity and mental health, let's talk about that because I'm curious about like, um, I sort of feel like on a certain level, you have to have your shit together in order to be probably successful at anything. Right. Or what do you, what do you think? Do you think like, what do you see in your, like what it, what do you see as far as the pe- the population of artists that you're dealing with as far as their mental health or how in general? Well, you know, one thing that I I have yet to come across is some an artist who has the artist equivalent of writer's block. Mm-hmm. I just haven't I've, you know, met with hundreds of artists. I've known thousands of artists and not one of them is just sitting there in an empty studio and not knowing what to do. Artists are artists because they have this need to create. Mm-hmm. So productivity, a productivity is not really something that um, concerns. I, I, I don't see that concerning artists. Mm. They need to create. Mm. Interesting. And, but one psychological uh, issue is that's constant in the art world is either depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that is, Depression is undoubtedly what happens when we ruminate in the past and anxiety is what happens when we try to live in the future and we're worried about the future. So Mm -hmm. as long as we're present in the present moment, Mm -hmm. we can escape all of those feelings. Which is great advice for anybody at any at any point. But I also think like how do you like I think that um, a long term art career or creative career of any sort really involves a lot of ups and downs, right? Like don't, don't even like, aren't there like points where you feel like you're on top of the world and then parts where you feel like no one, you know, you might as well just get out, you know, throw in the towel, start gardening or something. (laughs) I mean, mean, what about that? 
That's a really good question. And I don't know. I just don't know the answer to that. And, uh, you know, I've met with artists who are pretty well established. Let's say they're selling all their work out of their studio, but they feel like they want to throw in the towel because they want to be part of a community, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. So this is really, really special and important is you want to, no matter what you're doing, as long as you're part of a community that supports you through the ups and downs, you're going to be okay. So, you know, I think you're right. Just (laughs) thank you. I love it when you say that, but I love it most when my husband says that. (laughs) Oh, really? He's your worst critic, right? Your biggest fan and your worst critic. Yeah, that's definitely my biggest fan. Yeah, that's what they do. That's what those husbands do. I love it. I love it when they're like, "You're right." No, but um, yeah, no, I think that's really important to keep keep that stuff in mind. Um, and that was another thing I was thinking about as far as like productivity, mental health. Like I used to think that being single was better because you had more free time, but maybe I think now maybe being in a relationship and having a support system, it makes it easier. Well, you know, I think we're social beings and no matter where you find your support system, whether it's in your partner that you, your romantic partner or in your group of friends in your community, you're going to need a support system. So I don't know if it's so important to be in in a relationship because either way you're going to have your support, your support system. system. Right. So the most important thing is get a support system. Yes. But also like the thing the thing that I find um to be sort of paradoxical is how what you were saying before competing. So the thing is you do like the best thing, the best thing part about being an artist is when you focus on making your work and you're involved in that and you're just in it and that's it. And that's great. But we're also talking about in this day and age, how important branding is. So it's like, you can't afford just to do that and then not think about how it's being uh, delivered out onto the planet. So how do you like, how do you, that's like, that's aggra- that makes me angry to even have to deal with that. How, what are we what are we supposed to do about that? About branding? Well, the balance. How do you balance that? How do you like stay in your head in your work and then also like it just seems like two very st- separate things. Like how do you do that? So, here's a question for you. I'm sorry to turn the tables no, once that's again. Right. Um, but why do you feel like they're two different things? Because I feel like, um, I feel like in my work that I have my own thoughts about it or whatever, my motivations and how it's going to be developed or look or anything like that. But I also am aware of how other people are going to respond to it. And like, um, cause I used to be an art director in advertising. So I'm very aware. I think that shapes my vision of how how it it communicates like how does the work communicate like in other words like i'm thinking about making these things to illustrate this point now do i make them so that they're very subtle and detailed to the point i'm trying to make or do i make them broader so that they they uh communicate quicker do you know what i mean like you know it's a 
uh, that's trial and error. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not fucked? exactly. <laughs> no, you're not fucked. Um, it is a case by case basis, right? It depends what type of branding you do. And like some people want to be a little bit more elusive and a bit more conceptual. And so that is also part of the branding, just giving a little bit of information here and there. But, you know, once you figure out what your true intention is as an artist, that's when you align yourself with your branding. Uh-huh. And that's so important. Branding is something that we know from the advertising world. Like I did all yeah, these commercials, you know, yeah. you know, but it's something that we don't really think about in the art world. And it's almost, you know, taboo because, you know, it's not for sale. Like it's not about selling stuff, but it's not that it's about selling stuff. It's about presenting yourself. And we have to face it. We live in a digital age where everybody's attention span for a new thing is very, very short. Mm-hmm. So once you have a very clear, like if I look at just like when you look at a portfolio of an artist and you can see the connection between all the works Mm-hmm. The same should happen when I look at your website, when I look at your Instagram, when I read your Wikipedia page. I need to see what your brand is. Mm-hmm. And once you know, once you're in line with who you are as an artist, you shouldn't have a problem presenting that to the world because it's all about it's being natural. honest. It's natural. Well, it's interesting what you said um, about the idea of what is your intention of as an artist. So that could mean, like, I'm thinking about that now that you're saying that, that could mean a bunch of things. That could mean that I want, you know, to raise people's consciousness about a certain thing, or I want to have uh, these paintings in this place, or this and that, whatever happened, happened. So how, 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 what do you, how do you define intention? So intention is that driving force, that underlying need for you to do what you're doing. What mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I give artists a little exercise uh, that sometimes helps. And sometimes we really need to get into a deep session to figure it out uh, because an artist is so emotionally connected to their work that they oftentimes get lost in it and they can't really articulate their own artistic intention on their own. I agree. Yeah. Artists. I mean, I'm more verbal than a lot of artists. So I know, and I have a lot of artists on here and um, it is really hard to have artists talking about their work sometimes. Yeah. So just quickly, um, an easy uh, exercise is for you to walk around with a notepad for a week or a month or however long it takes. And every time you have a thought about your work, write down one word about it. At the end of this exercise, just look at all the words and try to articulate your intention. It's like a brainstorming session that goes on for a long time. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, artists' intentions. Um, you know what I keep thinking about? I have to stop for a station ID. That's what's getting in my head here. So, I'm going to do that right now. Um, first of all, thanks for listening to Dr. Lisa, I'm here with Marina Granger, and we're having like this really awesome chat. If you've just turned in, we're talk- tuned in. Uh, we're talking about um, her artist advisory uh, skills, service, um, views, all that stuff. We're get- I'm getting, I'm feeling, you know what I'm feeling, Marina? I'm feeling like uh, I got a really bad rejection today. It's okay. I'm handling it, art rejection. 
But I'm feeling like inspired to get a fresh start. Like I find this really ironic to me. See how how like perfect this is so kismet that you're here. But anyway, so I want to make sure that you know how to how to uh, get in touch or find out about Marina be be uh, right away. I want to I want you to know that. So it's at Instagram is at the underscore artist underscore advisory. Uh, her email is marina at theartistadvisory.com. And I also want to remind you, there's an awesome live show, Radio Free Brooklyn, a show by a great comedian, hosted by a great comedian, um, uh, called You Know You Want It, and it's like free. It's at Pine Box on Monday so it's between 9 and 11, and it's free. So you should totally come by. Okay? There. Um, back to Marie. So <laughs> there we are. Hi. Um, you know, you had given, um, you had said, you had, there's a few examples that I wanted you to, like, tell us so you could dimensionalize, like, how people do get help. A lot of artists feel that, I think a lot of artists and I have felt this way is that our work is so personal and so, and our struggles are so internal and so important. Self, we're so self-important about our, our little, our little struggle. No, come on, come on. It's, um, you can laugh at yourself. So I, so I want, I wanted to, to understand some, you had some great examples of how you have worked with people and, and, Yes. And change their lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you know, these little struggles, they seem, we're, we often beat ourselves up about them. We think, oh my God, they're like little and they're not a big deal, but they're your struggles. And it, it, whatever it is that you're struggling with is important. You have to figure that out. Like, how do you navigate that? And, um, you know, the, the struggles I've come across are all, all coming out of a, of, kind of um, a very hopeful place. And I was able to, you know, for example, I have an artist I work with who was starting to work in a new series. And with this series, she was going to apply to a residency. And, you know, she really needed to flush out her concept. And we got together. She told me what it was about. And let me tell you how we got together. I mean, we literally were, this was the Monday after uh, Miami Art Week, Art Basel, Miami. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting on the beach in Soho House at Miami having cocktails. And she's like, look, this is my concept. And this is really, you know, I want to do this project. And how do I make it successful? And I said, you know, you can't do this. It's too obvious. You need to put more layers into it. Wow, that's good advice. Wow. With her, because she was so emotionally attached to the project that she was, she got in and she was like, I'm just going to do it. No, but that's like a deeper conversation than you would. That's a pretty deep, um, that's, that's really understanding her work and, and giving her advice literally. That's a coach. Mm -hmm. That's really coaching. Well, thank you. I'm like, um, like an artist coach. No, but that's like a really. Yeah, like a guidance counselor for the art world. No, I would, I would, this is, yeah, no, yeah, you're hired. I mean, you're hired anyway, but you're so hired. Okay, so go ahead. Sorry. So, um, you know, then there's another artist I, well, but, you know, just because you can see that her work was superficial is what you're saying, isn't it? It it was superficial because 
she was so excited about it and she couldn't, she needed someone to, you know, push her and keep, okay. keep her on track. Cause okay. I'm like, that's not your intention. Okay. Let me ask you this. What if she didn't have the skills or what if she just didn't have it to make it more, more textured or layered or whatever? What if she wasn't that smart? What would you do? She is that smart, but, but have you ever dealt with somebody who you're just like, ah, this person? Everybody's that smart. The way that I wow. do it is. <laughs> Yes. And, and the way that I do it is I don't tell them what they should do. Right, right. I keep asking the right questions. And this is something I learned from being in grad school and studying museum education. And there's something called the inquiry method, which is how you teach museum goers about works of art. Oh, and instead wow. of telling them, instead of lecturing them about the work of art, you inquire into the crowd. Wow. And you get the answer out of them. And it's it's something that I've applied to working with artists oh, instead wow. of Wow. Yeah, so the inquiry that method. Makes so I much use that. Sense. Mm-hmm. So were you really successful at that? You must have been great at that. I was. Because people start realizing how much they really do know about art. And yes. They don't think they know any you gave people a lot of confidence about their ability to look at art, didn't you? I did, you know, and That's beautiful. when you ask we need people, you to do that. <laughs> well, I, I wish I, you know, went on it to do pay that. Anything. It's not, again, it's not about the money. the money, right? Because, and, and we all need money to survive and we all hustle. Um, and that's totally cool. But for me, it was, I, I knew I would find something that I love to do and I would find a way to make money, mm. um, mm. for it. And, and for me, it's like my, <laughs> My ancestors, my grandparents did not survive World War II as Jews so that I could have a job that I hated. Mm. This is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that. And I think about the sacrifices they made for me wow. to be able to be here in the U.S. I wasn't born here. You were I born was, in Russia, right? I was born in the former Soviet Union. Former yeah. Soviet Union. And just to be here and to be able to like grab opportunity by the horns, so to speak, and figure out what it is, how I can change the world in my own way. You know, this is like such a great um, uh, um, endorsement for immigration because I have to say you are not the first person on the show, on my show. To say to 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 say that same sort of thing, and uh, it's really beautiful how the motivation really comes out of you because it's very genuine. It's not based. Uh, it's it seems joyous. It's not based on self discipline like for me. A lot of us. I mean, sometimes you know. I mean, I'm sure there's that too, but uh, it's meaningful to you. It is. And it's really cool. Uh, so, uh, just like making art is meaningful to artists. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it takes some dis, there's, but there's also a, um, balance between discipline, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I've worked with artists who surprise me constantly. You know, some of them have full time jobs. But they're really serious about making it as an artist. And, you know, these are people who are generally emerging. Mm -hmm. They are just out of art school. And let's say they have a nine to five and it's demanding. It's more of an eight to seven. 
And they still find the time to make the artwork. So that discipline is so important. And one constant thing that I see in these people, aside from the need to create because they're artists, is that they change their location, their their environment. They go into a studio. They go into a different room. They change. They open the curtains when they're working. Oh, and even. If like their curtains are always closed, some something like that. So you think that's important? Change your environment. Why, and why do you think that's important? Because when you're constantly in the same environment, you have emotional connections to it. You have thoughts. You mm-hmm. think about the past, the present. You need an environment mm-hmm. where you only think about the present. Mm-hmm. Meaning it, it, when you're in your constant environment, you think about the past and the future, but you want to think about the present. So that, that makes your, a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. In a new environment. That makes sense to me. I work in a very isolated part of my apartment, but I, I do work in there. Um, I wanted to ask you about like, so this is, this is, this has been dawning. Something I've been thinking about dawn that's been dawning on me lately is so much of the art world is made up now of people, artists who have gotten their uh, production to a level where they have, you know, a lot of people that they hire and studios and all this other stuff. And they're able to, so how, like if, how, how, how do you get to that point? What if you aren't going to get to that point? Like what, how, how do you deal with the fact that you're just one person doing all the mm-hmm. same crap? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, uh, you just compared yourself. Oh, I'm really competitive, but thank you for pointing that out. I got to get over that. I'm having a bad day. I got a rejection today. I got a real. I got two big rejections this week. Okay, I'm are, cool with it. I'm cool with it's it. It's cool, but also like just quick thing. Rejections are wonderful because every time you get a rejection, you're like, "Holy shit, I tried." Like, okay, that's I'll, I'll, that's big. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and, and keep that in mind. But you try. Why, why I'm crying in, at night. Tr- putting myself to sleep, but go ahead. Um, We'll talk about this after the show. (laughs) Um, But uh, where were we? Uh, Artists. Artists, the studio. How do we do it without a big studio? So first of all, you, comparisons aside, don't worry about other people doing their own thing because the people that are, they have their own studios with, or five studios you know like one for sculpture one for painting one for photography and you know they're a mega artist and you know their name rhymes with um bluff moons and and you're like oh my god like how How is this guy doing it um you know what don't worry because you're not making the same type of art that he that they're making right you're making your you have your own thing that you're doing so you could even have the same collector and the the collector that's going to spend a million dollars on a on a jeff coons or damien hurst is also likely just as likely to spend five thousand dollars on your work Mm. but then you just keep growing Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. so good that you mentioned the studio thing, mm-hmm. um, because one thing I really wanted to talk about and kind of give you like a little freebie of information that's yeah. really important mm. is how do you meet collectors and mm-hmm. how do you sell your work? Let's say, you know, your gallery has, if you have a gallery, your gallery has an, 
a certain amount of collectors. And chances are, if you've had a show with them, the majority of them have seen your work. So Mm -hmm. if they haven't bought it yet, who knows if they're going to buy it. So Mm -hmm. you need to constantly meet collectors. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to meet collectors just by going to openings. Mm. The collectors that are at openings are very few and far in between. It's so rare that a work of art sells at an opening. Mm. It's great when it happens, and I've Mm. seen it happen, Mm -hmm. but it's never will a show sell out at an opening, Mm -hmm. either before or after. Mm -hmm. And so where do you go to meet collectors? And one major place for you to grow your career as an artist is to be an assistant to an artist who has a big studio. Mm. I mean, it's it's tough, but you will be around that and you will see that somebody else, you know, Bluff Moons, is making a lot of money and he's living this life as an artist and he's got, you know, 10 studios or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you can do that too. You'll see it and you'll be like, wait, I can do that mm-hmm. because this person's doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to learn learn the business by working in it. Yeah. But also, I mean, the thing that I wonder but about... But you're going to meet their collectors. Their collectors, yeah. You're going to meet their collectors. And, and, you know, I have a whole laundry list of places for you to meet collectors. Oh, so we can go through it. Good. Uh, unless you wanted to say something about this. No, no, I I, uh, I am... I No, I want to hear it. Okay, cool. So um, one thing that I, I really want you all to do... I, especially for collectors, but also because it's fun. Um, if you live in a mu- in a city that has many museums, like if you, let's say you live in New York City, you should join as a member so that you can go to meet other members. And a lot of other members may not be artists. The majority of members are art lovers. Huh. And there's a majority in there that collect art as a way of life. And it's not million-dollar things. It's not $10 things. But, you know, for Ikea or whatever, they actually buy art. You know, this is really great because I don't hear that a lot. I don't think I've ever heard that before. And that's really, really, that sounds like really great advice. And uh, I wish not, I wish, I'm so competitive. I wish you guys weren't all listening to this. That's so valuable. (laughs) That's free. You better fucking donate to Radio Free Brooklyn. Seriously, um, I wanted to ask you about like, as far as collectors go, and you're going to read yeah. us a list, but as far as collectors go, just to define it, um, how, how do you deal with a collector, meeting a collector socially, if you don't, do, how important is representation? If you're not with a gallery and all that, like, what do you, what are, what, if you met a collector, what would you say? Like, what, what are collectors interested in? How do collectors decide what to buy? What's the key to having a successful relationship with a collector? So, you know, if you're meeting collectors who just want to invest in artwork, just move on. Yeah, you know, right. this person is not going to keep your work in their house. They're going to trade it in. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that. And mm-hmm. you want someone... I mean, ultimately, somebody to buy the work, love it, be on the board of a museum because they're a museum member and they made Mm -hmm. friends. And then they donate your work to the museum. Mm. Like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But uh, it's also, it depends what type of artist you are. 
whether or not you need a gallery. Some artists really need galleries and collectors. I, you know, initially I want to say like, oh, they're going to be happy you don't have a gallery because then your work is less expensive Mm -hmm. because they know half of everything or a percentage of Mm -hmm. everything goes to the gallerist. Right. But you don't want collectors like that. They're jerks. Right. You don't want people just trying to. They are jerks. And, you know, if you, it's a loaded question and it's a case by case basis. Ah, so it's got to be, but don't you also think like I always, there was something that I was going to uh, ask you about, like how important is looks, talent, money, you know, uh, clothes, uh, you know. Not important. What's important is your attitude. Ah. Think about Madonna. Okay. And the, the, the key to success in any industry is seeing other industries and how people have succeeded in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Madonna was like, yeah, really young, broke, and didn't have money for things, but made it mm-hmm. because she had confidence. She believed in herself. She was just, you know, I mean, everybody saw Suddenly Seeking Susan. I can't imagine that that mm-hmm. was far from her life. No, but I mean, like, the thing is, a lot of people, like, um, you know, like, um, you know, I'm, because of this, whatever, I'm better at starting conversations. My husband is, like, shy. He he says he's shy. I don't think he is. But so, like, what do people that don't feel good about, like, they're just not naturally, I mean, a lot of people are not naturally going to have a presence or start a conversation, or maybe they're just you know, deficit, they they dress horribly. They don't know how to pick out clothes. Like, you know, like what, what do you say? What do you say to them? If they don't have, what if they just don't have confidence? Uh, come see me. Okay. You can help with that. <laughs> come see me. I will drill the confidence into you. Um, also, if you want to come see me or have um, a one-on-one session with me, Want to give you a special promo code for ten percent off for Did all you hear this, Doctor Lisa listeners wow. on Radio Free Brooklyn, and the promo code is give a shit. Oh. All Did you hear caps. that guy? Get give a shit. So if you go to my website theartistadvisory.com and click book a session and book a one on one session with me. Uh, and put in the promo code, give a shit, you get 10% off. You know, I wanted to tell everybody again, like what a great deal this is. Cause I was like really shocked. I mean, Marina is the real deal. And when I, I didn't know how reasonably priced she was until I like was doing my research today. And it's crazy. It's like you can get a, you know, free consultation. 15 minutes for free, like I said, or you can get a half an hour consult on a project for $50, or you can get the whole thing, the whole marina experience at a neutral place for a hundred bucks. That is cheaper than therapy. I am definitely quitting my shrink. <laughs> You've got the gig. I'm telling you. Ooh, if you, you can give an artist confidence, that would be incredible. But you know what? You're, you're coming from, I do really believe that you're coming from, um, an unusually, uh, self-motivated place yourself. Like you really believe in this. And, um, it's for you, it's not, it is not about the money. Yeah. Um, so, so do you, do you, so you honestly just feel that artists, like you look at art, it sounds to me like you look at artists and you think like, <clears throat> If you just did this, or you do you feel like that? 
when you meet them or? Mm, no, I, I never feel like, uh, I think they're doing something wrong right away. Right, but or you feel like, like if, I could if only make could this do better. This. I, sometimes I see, you know, there's things that I see almost in everybody I meet with. And it's, again, mm-hmm. the branding, the website, mm-hmm. having a strong online presence. And when they tell me what they really want, I, see their limits that they're putting on themselves like they put limitations Uh, on themselves uh, so that's something we all do yes i mean undoubtedly we all put limitations on Mm. ourselves and uh you need another person that understands this that will pinpoint this limitation and break it because you know you're sitting there telling yourself oh my god i'm never gonna make money as an artist because I make photography and I make, and it's so cheap. Right, 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 right. No, that's not, you can, you know, there's. So that's what you really see in other people. You see their limitations and you address them directly, which most people are not capable of doing for themselves. Yes. And, and that's, that's pretty special folks. That's, that's really, that's really, that's, yeah, no, that's really, that's very valuable. I don't think, yeah, because we don't we don't look at it that way. We think like, yeah, we feel our limits. Yeah, we feel our limits, but we don't see ways around them a lot. You know, it's so. It's just something that came. Like I said, this was a eureka moment for me, and I thought I know exactly how to help these people mm-hmm. and how to re- make them realize they're mm-hmm. the backbone of their industry. So I wanted to hear some more examples. Do you have like an example of somebody that had like where you helped somebody out of their limits that's specific to that? Or can you think of that? This is putting you on the spot. Oh, it's putting me on you, the spot. But did I oh, read? Yeah, did actually I read? Wait, wait I want oh, Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Did I read that third party endorsement? Wait, oh, I, you should. Okay. So I just want you guys, I Forgot to read this. This is an endorsement from uh, 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 that I found. Marina was like, "Where did you testimonials on my Testimonial. You know, there's Um, a few people who do something like what I do. They're like life coaches for artists, but they're not. They're not. They don't. They're not. No one's like. Okay, so I thought this summed it up really well. Like the perfect combination of therapist and business coach. She tactfully summarized my struggles to their essence. Uh, she transformed the dark, complicated mass into one crystal clear nugget that I could hold gently in my brain space. Like, that's like magic, man. I mean, who, that is, that is exactly what we're all looking for. And I found, I mean, there were like a whole bunch of testimonials. I just picked the one that really was the most concise. So I think that's like, that's touching really. You know, it's just something I love listening Mm -hmm. to people and I really Mm -hmm. listen Mm -hmm. and I, I really pay attention. And I think that just like what I'm doing, the the way I'm doing this for artists, anyone can put their mind to whatever they want to do and do whatever they want to do. So were you going to give us one more example of, did you, you you lit up like you were like, I was asking you about, let's go back, let's circle back. Oh, to, yeah. yeah. I was asking so, about somebody. You know, I met this woman and it, she was, uh, I think she's in her 50s. And she came into, when I was back, when I was a gallery director, she came in and she was very timid. She was afraid to show me her work. And 
she came with the Xerox of one painting. Mm-hmm. And normally when you do that to a gallerist, they just turn around. They're like, mm-hmm. sorry, no. Mm-hmm. Um, but I care about artists and I wanted to look at her work. And I saw it and, and I said, look, you know, it's not for us, but I, I, you know, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful painting and you're doing so well. And she asked me, you know, she had the balls to keep asking me things, which I think is amazing because once somebody answers a question of yours, keep talking. Mm-hmm. Don't ask when, once you're, you're on the soapbox, don't ask how much time you have left. Mm-hmm. Keep going. They're mm-hmm. going to kick you off the soapbox when the time's up. Mm. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> speaking of which, we have three minutes. But go so, ahead. but anyway, um, she had this limitation in her that she was never going to be a big artist. You know, she's in her fifties, right? And anyway, I gave her some advice on her work conceptually, and then eventually she started emailing me. I gave her practical advice. Um, I left the gallery. I still give her advice. She was one of the people that really helped me um, uh, articulate what my business would be because of her questioning. Wow. And anyway, her limitation was that she was never going to be a big artist. We're still breaking that down. But after the advice I've given her, she has gone on to win. You know, she's in the realist art world where there's a lot of competition. Right. But she's gone on to win a lot of competitions with the advice I've given her, maybe like four prizes in one year on one painting, um, which one painting takes like six months. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, You know, she might work on another painting at the same time. But yeah. That is one way that I've broken someone's uh, limitations. And I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to with her. She's, you know, she's not in the world with uh, where she lives in social media. And I'm like, you can do it. You yeah. can you can use Instagram. I'm going to show you you can. That's yeah. another limit. Yeah, but that's like an easy example. Right. But no, no, I don't think so. Maybe easy to you, but it sounds like you had a life altering effect on her. I mean, I hope so. She asked, she reached out to you, which is, but it sounds like she must have a very different relationship to her work and herself now, right? I think so. I think so. She's much more confident about her work. You know, she's Mm -hmm. won all these prizes. She has to be. She's more confident. She's showing everywhere. She just had, uh, she was in a group exhibition in New York City. Like, mm-hmm. and she's not from New York. She's from the Midwest. Fabulous. So this is like a big deal for her. Fabulous. Because I, you know, ultimately, I think the satisfaction comes down to the artist's relationship with their work, their satisfaction with their, does that make sense to you? Like uh, on all sorts of levels? Yes. And, you know, you have to really be clear in your intention and mm-hmm. so that it shows in your work and you're satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to have to end on that. Thank you so much, Marina. You're like, wow, I just feel like I just, my head, my, I, I'm going to have to really download myself from this, but I, I can't thank you enough for being here today. This was incredible. And I just wanted to uh, thank everybody for listening and remind them to stay tuned because we've got Elon Danziger coming up. We, 